It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine, and today it's going to be me talking to you. I am the guest host. I am the guest. I am the host. So... (laughs) So um, you have me today, and we're going to focus on narcissistic abuse. This is a call-in show. If you have anything you'd like to share, contribute, or ask, you can call in at the number 424-220-1801. And today I'm going to be talking about, can a narcissist change? This is a question I get asked all the time. But before I get into that, I wanted to read a letter that I got from someone who asked a question by email, which you can do also. If you want to ask a question by email, you can email me at loveyourlifeatrandyfine.com. Okay. Um, I'm going to read this to you. Dear Ms. Fine, on the outset, I first want to thank you for your detailed insight and expertise knowledge about this clandestine subject of narcissistic abuse. I only first learned of the term narcissist late last month after doing a reluctant Google and YouTube search of what I've been experiencing with people for years and years that never felt quite right to me. When the term narcissistic abuse popped up, I naturally wanted to know what this was. And when I learned of the meaning of this form of abuse, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I instantly thought to myself, oh, is that what this is called? I've been constantly saying to myself, it has a name, it has a name. I've listened to several podcasts of yours as well as the podcast of some other specialists to enlighten myself more on this form of abuse. And let me tell you, just about everything you were saying instantly clicked and resonated with me so much. To finally hear someone skillfully articulate what I've been experiencing in my life was such a relief. It felt like I was finally able to reach an itch that I could never quite reach to scratch. My eyes have definitely been popped wide open after this long overdue aha moment. I am now 43 years old and never realized this is what I've been experiencing pretty much all my life from different people. I've also learned from personal past experiences how dangerous it can be to innocently tell these abusing narcissists about any compliments that you've received from someone else because they will sure scheme in their sick minds how to turn that against you as well as going back to that person who gave you the compliment to insidiously form a smear campaign against you. And without even realizing it, the compliment giver won't even know that they adopted a new job title of flying monkey. 
So whenever you do another podcast, can you speak on the dangers of someone innocently telling a narcissist about any wonderful compliments that they've received from other people? Okay. Well, hold on a second. Okay. Narcissists can never be one-upped. And by that I mean if you have a cold, they have the flu. If you look good, they look better. But no matter what you have, no matter what, um, <clears throat> what you own, what you have, what you've been complimented on, they are extremely jealous. And they'll never let you have that compliment. They're never going to give it to you, and they're never going to let you have it. And in this case, the compliment was used against the person who wrote this letter. Um, She told a woman who she realizes now had been narcissistically abusing her how a guy that they both had interactions with was respectfully telling her how beautiful she looked one morning. And she naively told this woman about the nice compliment. And then shortly after that, she began to notice that this guy was gradually withdrawing from her and looking at her strangely. And then he wouldn't acknowledge her at all. She eventually heard this woman behind a closed door trashing her, talking about her. And she knocked on the door and asked if there was anything this woman wanted to tell her. And the woman just continued to talk on the phone. She just ignored her. And she felt so powerless and hurt after this happened. And she's never been able to really look at this woman the same way ever since. Um, Narcissists objectify and dehumanize people. And nobody really matters. You don't matter to a narcissist for who you are. You only matter to a narcissist for what you can supply them. Hold on a second. So supply is adoration, adulation, and attention. If you're not giving a narcissist any of those things, you are completely useless to them. And they don't want to know that anything nice has happened to you. That doesn't matter to them. It actually annoys them. They're very, very envious. It's one of the, the nine traits of, of narcissist person, narcissistic personality disorder is the envy that they have for other people. And so they're never going to, well, unless they have an intimate relationship with you and they can abuse you behind closed doors, they're going to have to do something else because they cannot let this go. So that's where the smear campaign campaign begins. And they have to trash you to someone else. And in this case, the person who gave the compliment, this all had to be annihilated. And so she went right to the person who gave the compliment, made up some kind of story that turned him completely against this other woman. Who knows what 
she said. She could have said she's talk- she really likes you a lot. She's talking about you. She's bragging about what you said. Whatever it was, she turned this guy completely off. And it wasn't, it was a harmless compliment. And it was shared in a harmless way. But we have to be very careful with who we talk to. And, you know, you would think that if someone is your friend, that you could say something like this. But just beware that when things aren't taken in the same light that you're sharing it, you may be dealing with somebody who has a personality disorder. I can't necessarily say narcissist. Um, They could also be very envious people, very insecure people. There's no way to really know, except once you suspect that something is going on, that's when you have to really cool the relationship down with this person very quickly because it's only going to get worse. And this is really a shame. But I think that all narcissists do this and normal people don't. So, you know, it's really nice. It makes you feel good if somebody says something nice to you. Um, And it really feels nice to be able to share that. So I wouldn't tell you not to do that, especially if it's somebody that you think you trust. But if you get that kind of reaction, then you might be dealing with a narcissist. Um, It's horrible. And in this situation, I don't know if it went any further than the compliment giver, but in many cases it does. It expands out. And they will they'll engage flying monkeys wherever they possibly can to turn them against you because they're so vicious and vile to decimate you. They have to destroy you. But it's not a matter of destroying you. You are an object. You are not you. So they have to destroy the, the way that they see you, <clears throat> which is through objectification. <clears throat> so I hope um gosh I'm really congested hold on really congested I'm sorry okay so I hope that kind of answers the question it, it's not just around compliments it's really anything that's going well for you in your life they don't want to hear it and if you're even in a marriage or in a family If you have a narcissistic parent, they don't want to hear that things are going well for you because it's only considered good and positive if they have something to do with it. And if you're married or in a relationship, you're not allowed to have other good things happen to you. The narcissist is in control of you and nothing can come from the outside in or you will be accused of being a cheater. You'll be accused of looking at every, you know, every person of the opposite sex that you see. Um, And you won't be able to redeem yourself. And so my advice to you is that never defend yourself ever, ever, ever. When something like this comes up and you know that something is amiss, that this person is, just 
him or her has taken this way too far and made way too much out of it, um, do not defend yourself. Because the more you defend yourself, the more guilty you're going to look. And that's just the way it happens. Because narcissists have a, a habit of spiraling you downwards with conversation. So they do something. You react. You defend yourself. They end up turning it around back onto you, making you look like you're the problem. And then you begin to defend yourself more. And before you know it, the whole thing's been turned on you. And I know those of you who have experienced narcissistic abuse know this very, very well. This goes for pretty much every time you're accused of something with a narcissist. Never ever defend yourself. You will get nowhere. And this can be maddening because you want validation and you don't want to be accused of something you didn't do. But you will never get validation from a narcissist. Never, 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 never. You just have to know that you know what you know and not rely on their um, observation or interpretation of something because their observation and interpretation are coming from a very disordered mind. When we talk about narcissistic personality disorder, we're not talking about like a a mild form of self-admiration. We are not talking about that. We're talking about a serious personality disorder and personality disorders, um, especially the cluster B, We'll talk about that, which is the um, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, um, and borderline personality disorder. These are all classified as empathy devoid and highly dramatic. When you're dealing with a person like this, they are not seeing life the same way that you're seeing it. And their perception comes from a very skewed place. And that leads me to talk about can a narcissist change? So let me tell you who a narcissist is. And I've probably said this before, but it's really, really important that you understand this in order to know what you're dealing with and to understand whether or not they can change. So, Narcissistic personality disorder develops before the age of 18. We are not born with it. We can have a genetic predisposition to getting it, to developing it. I mean, but um, we're not born with narcissistic personality disorder. You can be born with psychopathy, um, but you cannot be born with narcissistic personality disorder. And this forms before the age of 18. And it forms in an environment where there is some kind of intolerable situation for a child. And it could be that there's abuse. It could be there's neglect. It could also be that they are so overpraised and so overinflated that they can develop this. In some cases, the bar is just set so high that they can never reach it. And this is a child who wants to deny their reality. 
they feel like they're better than what they're being, they're being treated as. Because the way that they're being treated is creating self-loathing inside of them. They hate themselves. And because that is excruciating for them to feel, they create a maladaptive coping mechanism, really, on steroids. It's, it's about as, as severe as it can get. Um, some people dissociate, you know, um, some people please, some people rebel. There's different ways that children can cope with situations like this. It's never going to be a healthy way. They're going to do it in a, in a maladaptive way. Um, but they have to find a way to deal with their situation because if they don't, their young minds are not, they can't process what's happening to them. So for the narcissist, what they do is they create a, a situation where they will never feel again. Never. And they do this through a false self. When I say never feel again, I mean not for any length of time. It can be momentarily. Okay. But so what they do is they create a false self. The false self's job is to be the army that goes out and represents the true self. Remember, the true self is a cowering child, a helpless, hopeless nothing who doesn't even want their reality to be there. They don't want to acknowledge that they even exist. The false self's job is to be this impenetrable suit of armor that represents them, that will deflect all negativity and anything that could possibly hurt them. And the false self is not really human. It's sort of humanoid, but it's not really human. It doesn't come from a natural place of thinking. It comes from a place of um, survival, of learned behavior. And what they do is they watch other people and they know how to behave. Um, but another part of, the, of this ability that the false self has is it can be a chameleon and it is definitely an actor. An actor of Academy Award winning um, ability. They can be anybody, any personality whatsoever, and they can play it to the nth degree. They can cry if they need to cry. None of this is coming from a place of emotion. It's all coming in a robotic way. It's like they've been programmed. They've learned all these things. They know what's, what's the, the way that they're supposed to respond to fit into society. But they also know that they cannot survive without narcissistic supply, adoration, admiration, and attention. And attention can be negative or positive. It can be you screaming at them and cussing them out, or it could be kissing their feet. It doesn't really matter. It's reaction. 
because for the narcissist, narcissistic supply is what keeps them from going to that self-loathing place. So they must have this every waking moment of every day. They cannot be without it. And in order to assure or ensure that they have this supply, they take on what we call relationships. To a narcissist, a relationship is not the same as the way we think it is. They are just predatory and parasitic. So in other words, once they identify a host that they know they can manipulate and brainwash, um, then they wear that person down to the point where the person can no longer think for themselves. The person doesn't have a self anymore. Uh, This is a campaign of abuse that you don't notice right away. It's a very slow process. You may see things and then not see them. It's very confusing. They gaslight you. And gaslighting is meant to completely throw you off balance. And it makes you disbelieve any of your intuition or any of what you're seeing or any of what you're hearing because you're told that what you're seeing and hearing never happened. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. They never did it. And the purpose of tearing you down through this gradual campaign of abuse is to make you too weak, insecure, and just unable to leave. And therefore, they can feed on you for a very long time. And so, as I said, they are humanoid. In other words, they have the body of a human. But their mind is not that of a human. It's, it's a programmed, robotic, sort of like a virtual being where everything they do has been programmed into them, but nothing comes naturally. The false self has no ability to have empathy because it's not coming from like a human kind of brain. It's not coming from that. They're not thinking about these things. They don't care. It's all about survival. It's all about what they need at every given second of every day of their entire life. It's all about what they need. And they will do anything in order to get what they need, but they do not have empathy and they do not love. Not at all, not even a tiny little bit, but they can make it look like they do. They will say the right things. What you have to do is recognize if the behavior matches what they're saying. If they're just beating you down and putting you down and saying terrible things to you and making you feel crazy. And then they go, but I love you. That's not love. They don't love you. People who love do not want to hurt the other person. But a narcissist is not only do they want to hurt you because it's for a self-centered reason. It's because they want to make sure that they disable you, basically. Um, 
And that's what they do. And if you've been in a narcissistic relationship, you will know how disabling it can be and how it gets worse and worse with time. It never gets better. So they can't love because there's no loving heart. There's nothing there. It is a creation. It's a facade. It's not a real thing. But they are so good at acting because that's what they have to do. They have to act in order to get what they need. And it can be almost indistinguishable from the true thing. But you will see holes in this every once in a while. And you will also see that the way they act with you alone or behind closed doors is not the way they act in front of other people. So it's very deliberate. They know where to do this and they know where not to do this. The other kind of supply that they need is that the kind of supply that they get from unsuspecting people, people who think they're great, people who they show a charismatic side to, a charitable side to. And they never, ever show an abusive side. And so these people think they are wonderful. They think they're the best spouse. They're watching the marriage. Oh, you have such a wonderful spouse. They think they're the best mother, the best father, the best sister, whatever it is, the best friend even. And they're never going to see the true person. Even if you have 100 line evidential document to give them, they will never see it. They'll think it's you. So the narcissists are very smart about where they exhibit this abusive behavior and where they don't. But they have to capture this other kind of supply. They need to be able to, to be seen as this amazing person. And that is really a self-fulfilling prophecy because they, they believe. The narcissist, the uh, false self, believes that it's perfect. And it cannot handle the thought that it's not, which is why it ra- they rage whenever you say anything that doesn't agree with them, no matter how kind or soft or I really wish you wouldn't or no matter what you say, if you are not agreeing with them, you are criticizing them. And criticism takes them to that dark place they don't want to go to. And so they rage. They'll do anything and they'll deflect it all back on you because they can't take this on. They're never going to. It is their survival. They cannot do that. So the people in their lives matter not, no matter what the role is, no matter how many years you've been together, no matter if it's a mother or a father that's supposed to love you or if it's a spouse that's supposed to love you, or a child that's supposed to love you, or a friend that's a dear friend that's supposed to love you, um, they can't. And so holding on to a narcissist, thinking that something can change, is delusional. It's impossible 
if the false self can never see that there's anything wrong with it, they can't. They literally cannot see that anything they do is wrong. They're never going to accept responsibility. It will always be someone else's fault. Always. They can't. So in order to change something about your personality or emotionally, psychologically, you've got to be able to see what it is. And narcissists can't see what it is. They can't. Absolutely cannot. This isn't even a guess. There's no marginal. There's no uh, timeline. I mean, continuum here. There's no um, severe or not severe. They can't see that they do anything wrong. And remember what you're dealing with, a virtual being. You're not dealing with a true self. That, and so they don't care about anyone in their lives. Objectification is um, turning, in their mind, turn somebody into an unfeeling object, then they can do whatever they want to do to them and not suffer any, um, uh, any guilt. They can't just do something to another person um, if they believe that person is, has anything to offer them. They can't do that with a good, clear conscience. So when they know that you are there to supply them, they have to objectify you. So you become an object, and then they dehumanize you. So you are an unfeeling object. And how many times have you felt like an object in your relationship? Like the narcissist does not know who you are. They don't care who you are. They don't care what you're experiencing, good or bad. They don't care. They just don't care. You are an object for their need. That is it. And it's truly amazing. It's, this is very hard to wrap your head around, but it's truly amazing that this can be done by any, any brain. But remember, their brain is wired differently than ours. It's not the same. They don't have the range of emotion. They don't have sentimentality. If you've been with somebody for 20, 30, 40 years and you leave, it's as if you never existed. You don't matter. You don't matter. However, when you leave or they decide to discard you, whichever it is, it doesn't matter, you become the enemy. There's no love there. There's no history there. There's nothing. You are an enemy. This is where the smear came campaign is and where they will be relentless in trying to hurt you. You don't matter. And because you were an object that they owned, because they do believe that they own people, you have now taken away their property. And for that, you will pay dearly. For the rest of your life, unless you learn how to handle this, learn how to deal with them, learn how to not give them supply or reaction or anything like that. 
which is what you have to do, when they realize that nothing they do is getting to you, they basically go away because it's wasted. If they're, if they're smearing your name and you are then defending yourself or calling them or texting them and saying, how could you do that? How could you say that? That is narcissistic supply. They want your reaction. It is food for the narcissist. They must have it. So your reactions, your defense only perpetuates the abuse. Everything about narcissistic abuse is counterintuitive. If you think you should, you shouldn't. If you think you shouldn't, you should. It's all backwards and opposite. It's very, very difficult. Once you get it, you get it. Once you understand what motivates narcissists, then you can really work around it. It is not difficult once you know the patterns. And narcissists are really the most predictable things, beings that walk this earth. They are so very predictable. They will always react a certain way. They will always do things a certain way. And their pattern of capturing supply is a certain way. Um, I have just released the second edition of my excellent book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, The Narcissistic Abuse Survivor's Comprehensive Guide to Healing and Recovery. If you don't already have a copy of the, this book, or if your book has fallen apart because you've looked at it and you've flagged it and dog-eared it so many times, this book is so, it, it's even better. I've added three chapters to the book. Um, I've added all the latest research. And there's other things. I put a lot more information into this book. It is available in paperback. Uh, digital and audio. This book will be a great companion for you and a tremendous support system for you. Speaking from professionals who tell me this, they use it. Therapists use this book. Um, but it's not written for therapists, it's written for everybody. So all of the things that I say, plus so much more is in Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, now in the second edition. In order to elaborate on everything that I say, because I can't, can't possibly tell you everything in this short amount of time, um, do yourself a favor and pick up a copy. You will not regret it. I promise you, you will not regret it. You will be amazed. Um, so I tell you that because I talk about um, gaslighting and the smear campaign and the stonewalling, and I talk about every single relationship type that you could have, and I give case studies so you can read about it. You can read about yourself. Um, for instance, I'll read you. Okay, I'm going to read you the case history under the smear campaign chapter. And this is um, Jackie's close encounter. Jackie, 31 years old, had recently broken up with the man she'd been dating for five years. 
She had known he was a narcissist for the last two years and was very unhappy in the relationship. She knew if she ended things, he would go ballistic, therefore had been afraid to do it. Ten months prior, prior to calling me when her boyfriend began pressuring her to move in with him, Jackie finally told him to see him anymore. When Jackie called me, her world had turned upside down. For the last two months, her ex had waged an all-out war against her. He had called her boss and told him she was addicted to pain pills, which wasn't true. And now her job was in jeopardy. He had contacted all her Facebook friends and told them that she was a phony, a liar, and that he broke up with her because she had cheated on him. He even called her sister playing the innocent and convinced her that Jackie had been the problem all along. Now her sister was giving her a hard time. I told Jackie that in time when, when her ex found someone else to focus on, things would get better, but that there was little she could do for now except suspend all her social media accounts, block his calls and emails, and just try to lie low. I suggest, suggested she have absolutely no contact with him. She should not respond to any correspondence, including texts, and if he showed up at her door, she should not open it. As far as Jackie's job was concerned, I advised her to see a doctor who could give her a clean bill of health and then state in a letter to her boss that the pill addiction accusation was false. Jackie was justifiably worried about her reputation being smeared and asked me what she could do about it. I told her, or I asked her, if she had any friends who knew the truth and who she could count on to support her. She said she had two close girlfriends who stuck with her through thick and thin. I told her to focus on those friendships and try her best to ignore everyone else, that in time things would get better. I advised Jackie not to address any of her ex's accusations with anyone and to never defend herself, that those responses would only make things worse. <clears throat> so this is a case history that I talk about in the book, but I share um, pretty much every aspect of gaslighting. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the best way to, to see it is to uh, is to pick up a copy of the book, uh, triangulation, everything. I show you examples so you can see exactly how they play out in real life. And I also have my own close encounters where I explain to you my experience within that topic. So you're getting a whole lot of um, case histories and some real life um, exposés that you can relate to because when you're um, suffering abuse from a narcissist, it feels like you are alone. It feels like you're the only person in the world dealing with this, but you are not because this is an epidemic issue. This is worldwide, globally epi epidemic. I believe 16 to 25% of the global population has this disorder. That means one out of every four, maybe, people that you meet may have this disorder. And it's not a world that's necessarily safe. You have to be careful with who you relate to, what you tell people, um, how empathetic you are from the beginning. You have to be very careful. If you're too empathetic, giving and forgiving from the beginning, then you are a target. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be those things. 
It just means that you don't want that to be the first thing you put forward before you find out who a person is, before you have a chance to check them out and to prove or um, valid, validate, verify that what they're saying is true because most of what they're saying is not. It's a little bit of truth mixed in with a whole lot of other imagination and lies, stories. Narcissists have to reinvent situations. They very rarely will tell you um, the truth about a situation as it happened. They reinvent it because it has to be um, a narrative that endorses their needs at that moment. So they're going to slant it however they need to slant it. And to them, that's the story. And you can try to argue with them. You never will get anywhere with them. To them, it's the story. It happened. That's the way it was. So I'm hoping that you're getting the gist of, of what I'm trying to explain to you. Narcissists are not husbands. They're not wives. They're not mothers. They're not fathers. They're not friends. They're not bosses. They are narcissists playing a role of spouse, husband or wife, of parent, mother or father, of sister, brother, of friend. It is a narcissist that you are dealing with, not the role that they are playing. Because as I said before, they play whatever role they need to play, and they do it expertly. You will, seamlessly, you will not detect that they're making it up. Someone who previously was a terrible father, once they get divorced, can turn into father of the year in front of other people. They know how to do this. Nobody will be able to see. There will be no cracks as to what they show other people. What they do behind closed doors to their ex or their children is another story. That will be abusive. But other people will never see the truth. They will see a personality. If you think about uh, actors or movies that you absolutely loved and the actors or actresses played the part to the point where you really believed that was their personality. That's the narcissist. It is completely believable. And they say things and they do things for very specific reasons. Everything is said or done. Narcissists don't just sit down and chat. Everything has an end goal. They're always trying to get something through what they're saying. So they're never going to have idle chat. They're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to examine your mind, figure out what you're thinking. Um, there's various things. They're trying to read you. And they're also trying to influence you and brainwash you. Brainwashing can happen within a few hours or a few days. It doesn't take very long. 
And once you're brainwashed, you are brainwashed. It doesn't go away. Whether you leave the relationship or you stay in the relationship, you are still brainwashed. And it's why functioning after these uh, relationships or after escaping this kind of abuse can be very challenging and very difficult and why if you um, you feel like you should be able to get over this and you just can't, it's because you're brainwashed. You've been programmed. Your brain is functioning in a way that you are not in charge of. doesn't feel like that. You feel like you're in charge of your thinking, but you're not on a subconscious level. On a deep level, you are not. You are being influenced by your subconscious mind. And so the only way to get rid of this, and you absolutely can, this is not that hard to get rid of, but you need somebody who's expertise is in doing this, which is one of the things that I do when people come to me. I help them reprogram, get this stuff out and reprogram it so they can get back to who they are. And that is not a long process. It's very quick because I know how to do it. If you are seeing a therapist and you've been seeing this person for a year, two years, three years, maybe even longer, and you're still feeling the same way, it's because they don't know how to do this. Or even if they did know how to do it, they don't understand where the source of your pain is coming from. This is a very specific kind of abuse. And it's very specific work that I do. I'm not reprogramming you because I'm not putting things into you that I want in there. I'm guiding you to reprogram yourself and get rid of this old abusive stuff that is ruminating in your head and influencing everything you do. That's what I do. So... Can a narcissist change? Well, after everything that I've said, it would be pretty difficult to say that they can. They can't. And you may find therapists who speak about them and say that it is possible for them to change. It's not possible for them to change. Narcissists do not change. There are no reformed narcissists. If somebody tells you they are, either they don't have the person didn't have the personality disorder to begin with, they're trying to manipulate you by trying to throw you off. But narcissists cannot change. You must be able to see your part in something before you can change it. Nobody can make you change. You have to understand that what you're doing isn't working for you and change it. So the narcissist cannot change, but you can. This does not have to be permanent damage. Only going to be permanent damage if you do not reach out for help. Trust me, it will influence everything for the rest of your life including your children. You cannot hide this. 
from your children. You may think you are, but you're not. So my goal for you, my listeners, dear listeners, is for you to get healthy, for you to clear your mind, for you to get rid of the pain that you've been carrying around. But certainly don't hold on to a narcissist thinking that it will get better. And I, it's important that, this, that I mention intermittent reinforcement. I really want to talk about that because this is something that throws people off tremendously. Everybody says, well, there is a good side to the person. They can be nice. So let me explain what that is. Narcissists, there is no good side to them. I have tried to find a redeeming, one redeeming quality um, of a narcissist, and I cannot find one because it's all about them and abuse. They're sadistic. They're abusive. But people will say, well, you know, they, they, they've done some nice things for me. So I ask you, if you would draw a pie and you would section off the amount of time that they've been nice to you versus the amount of time that you felt miserable around them, you would see that the kindness is a very small part of that. It's just a little wedge. Kindness from a narcissist, as I said before, they, everything they say, everything they do, has a purpose, a motivation. Kindness has a purpose and a motivation. And this is what it is. It's called intermittent reinforcement. When they suspect that you're pulling away or that they're not getting what they need from you, they will do something nice for you. Often something you've been asking them to do for months and years. And all of a sudden they're doing it. And you're thinking to yourself, finally, I finally got this person to change. They finally see me. No, they don't. What they see is that they're losing supply. And they have to create a character that throws you off so they can get it again. And this is why it's so hard to leave a narcissist because as soon as they show you a soft side, you figure that they're exactly what you want them to be and you let down your boundaries and, and your guard and your back. But they do this within the relationship as well because if they just abused you constantly and never, ever switched it up, you'd see this a lot faster. So they have to throw you a bone sprinkle some crumbs, throw them at you from time to time to get you to see. And you will hold on to, the way your brain works is that you will hold on to the crumbs and forget the abuse. So in healing from narcissistic abuse, as I said before, counterintuitive, opposite, Thinking about the good things about that person will keep you stuck and in pain. What's important is that you remember all the bad and write it down and have it handy 
and refer to it when you get weak and you feel like maybe you're wrong, maybe you initiated this, maybe you're to blame. Go back and read what you wrote and you will see what you've experienced because you're going to continually forget it. But you must remember the bad if you want to get away. When you identify a narcissist in your life, there's only one thing you can do, and that's run as fast as you can. Do whatever it takes. Sometimes it takes planning. Sometimes you can't just get up and run. It takes planning. But the goal, the ultimate goal is to get away from them. Get them out of your head and out of your life as much as possible. There are certain circumstances where that's difficult. And in those circumstances, it's even more imperative that you have a support system, professional support system to help you to navigate that process, to learn how to think, to learn how to handle things a different way. So you're not reactive um, and you're not stressed and depressed. You cannot stay with a narcissist. You cannot stay married to a narcissist. Impossible. And some people will say, well, the devil I know is better, better than the devil I don't know. And that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Because let me tell you what happens when you stay with a narcissist. The entire time you're with them, you are in a constant state of fight or flight, which means that cortisol, is flowing through your body, flooding your body at all times. Our bodies are not meant to handle that much cortisol. And it does different things. But one of the things that it does is it weakens your immune system. You cannot stay in an environment like that and not end up with an immune disorder. And once you have an immune disorder and your immune system is compromised, then things like cancer can take hold. So it's not possible to stay in this. When you get out, even for a short amount of time, you will feel the difference. When you're in the middle of these um, situations, you're so used to that cortisol flooding your body, you don't know what it's like to not have that happen. You don't even realize the stress that you're under. But I promise you, staying will make you sick. And if you think that the narcissist is going to be there and take care of you when you're sick, think again. That's wrong because you're only as good as what you can do for them. When you are an invalid, helpless, needy, they'll leave you because you have nothing to give them. They have nothing to give you. And you now have nothing to give them. So don't hang around thinking they'll take care of you if you get sick. They will not. They'll be gone. So I hope that I presented to you a picture of what a narcissist is so that you can understand that they cannot change. Never, ever, ever, ever. I don't care who tells you they can, they cannot. Because the nature of the narcissist is that it's not 
the same human brain as we have. It's very primitive. They don't, narcissists don't mature past the, the, the toddler age because they stop that growth, basically, when they create the false self. So I'm available. I do um, free discovery calls, free consultations. If you go to randyfine.com and you can go to expert services and you can actually book a consultation with me. And we can talk about your issue. I am not expensive. As a matter of fact, people tell me I should be charging more. I don't because I don't want to turn anybody away. I want to help people. So I'm very affordable, very affordable. And I work very fast. I don't want to keep you around, not because I don't love you or like you or enjoy talking to you, because I want you to move forward. My goal is to get you healthy, give you the tools, and let you move forward in your life. And again, my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, second edition. If you don't have a copy, please pick up a copy. You will not regret it. It is, I am the author, but I have to say, and I've been told, it is the best book out there on this topic. The most comprehensive that covers every single thing that can happen with narcissistic abuse, including divorce, including parental alienation, empathic sensitivity, overachieving, underachieving, um, food issues and weight issues, um, what happens to the brain when you've been abused this way in childhood, the mechanisms, the things that change in your brain. Every single thing you could want to know is in this book. So pick up a copy of the book, however you like to listen or read. And um, I am available. Please reach out. I want you to reach out. I'm not trying to drum up business. I don't need business. But I want to help you, which is why I do this show. I don't get paid to do this show. I don't pay myself to do this show. Nobody pays me. Um, I'm doing it because I'm trying to reach out to as many people as I possibly can to help you. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I also have a YouTube channel. Please visit the YouTube channel and um, sign on to get the alerts. There's some really, really great YouTube videos there. And please like them and please follow me or, you know, um, Sign on to my channel so that you get my updates. I do a lot of videos with um, Christiana Davidson, who is a therapist from the UK. She's also a hypnotherapist, and uh, we do a lot of fun topics together. You'll find them also on my YouTube channel, Randy Fine. And that's what I have for you today. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.